Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's now minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And I finally met the man in the flesh. Kurvis Engelbrecht, I've spoken to a few times on the on the phone from Cape Town, from uh, from Sunland Business Market. Kurvis, welcome to High FM in the flesh. Thank you for having me. And welcome to Joburg. It's a big city, so just remember it's not Cape Town. You're going to just... The robots say you actually you, you, you don't stop for too long because people get upset. So just check okay. and make sure you know okay. what's going and on. I shouldn't buy stuff at the robots. <laughs> you know, we, we try to make light work of it, but the bottom line is that uh, Joburg is a dynamic, um, interesting city. And uh, how long are you here for? Uh, until tomorrow afternoon. Okay, so I hope you... I'm sure you've been here many times, but I hope you enjoy it and get to see it. Um, before we get into business things, maybe just to discuss what we were discussing off air coming from Cape Town. You know, you were saying that we've had three years of drought in Cape Town. Um, I was there not so long ago, had a bit of rain, and all of a sudden things look green. Is that just a facade? I mean, is, is the city battling? The, yes, the city is battling, and that is what we call a green drought. Because uh, it's been raining through the winter months, but not enough to fill up the dam. So everything looks okay. But if you look at the dams, then it's not okay. What's the, what's the daily life of a Captonian like with regards to water restrictions? What don't you do anymore at all? We don't wash our cars and we don't water our gardens anymore. But fortunately, it's been now uh, the three winter months. Our garden still looks okay, but okay. the battle is coming on now. And the other thing which is becoming a daily part of, of a Cape Townian's life is buying water tanks. If you want to invest in a good business now, buy shares in a company that manufactures water tanks in the Western Cape. What are people doing to store in yes, order to have? Yes, I've got a 5,000-liter tank in my backyard, and I've, uh, this morning I paid to, uh, two for two more tanks. So I'll, I'll end up with 15,000 liters in my backyard. And what are you going to use that for? Well, uh, primarily for my garden. I don't want my garden to die in the, in the summer. Fortunately, not a big garden. So uh, I can come by with about 850 liters per month to just keep my garden going. But that's the way to do it. Do you yes. think you'll be able to capture another 10,000 liters? Well, um, I'm hoping so, but uh, Probably not because, uh, you know, the rain is now, we've had this, the, the rain for the winter and it will still rain in the summer, but I don't need to fill up all 10,000. If I can just catch a thousand or two or three, it's okay. It's and water I wouldn't have had. A hundred percent of water yeah. hasn't gone wasted. Yeah. And I suppose, Kubis, it's not much different when it comes to planning, when it comes to financial planning, it comes to markets. It's all about being a little bit proactive and looking forward and not living like an ostrich with your, with your your head in the sand and not being naive, just knowing what's out there and sort of waking up and taking advantage of it. For sure. Uh, um, I, I am not in the prediction business. I never want to be because then you know that you're going to be wrong because if you and I know what's going to happen in the next five minutes, we can buy or sell a lot of Absolutely. shares. So we don't know what the future holds. But um, you can use your common sense and you can plan. When we talk about that, you know, one thing that business people often say is that they start a business and they have to run this business. They wake up in the morning, they go to sleep at night. It's all about the business. 
And then there are other people who've built businesses that sort of seem to run themselves, but there's no such thing because it's individuals that have been empowered to run that. Is there such a point where one turns around and says, hold on, I can bring skill in, I can upskill people, I can bring people in so that I can actually enjoy, enjoy the benefits of the business rather than me being a slave to the business? Absolutely. And um, if you plan and you, and, and you act on your plans, you can achieve that. Because if you don't do that, then you actually don't have a business. Then you are self-employed. Because if you are not there, there's no money coming into the toll. And, and you should, from day one, when you start your business, work towards that point. And uh, the, the question is probably now, how do I get there? Now, I just want to use an example that's got nothing to do with a business, but I think um, uh, it, it gives me the word operational manual. I spoke to a, a young teacher yesterday, and she told me that at the previous school, the day that she started working there, they gave her a book. And in that book, it tells you everything about the school, when the school starts, when the school ends, um, where are whatever, what you need, how to go about things. And I said to her, what you're describing to me now is an operations manual. And that's what every business should have. Because without that, um, there will be a key person, which is probably you, and everybody will run around uh, and ask you, when must I do this? How must I do that? How many must we order? Uh, you know, when is payment being made? Who's going to make the payment? You know, and, and, and all those things you can write down in operations manual. Uh, and, and, and a business, as I see it, is a, a, a system that consists out of smaller systems. So if you take the big circle, then it is stuff coming in, you manufacture from that stuff, and you've got an end product, you sell the end product, that's the circle. Another circle is the payment circle. You buy things, so money goes out of your bank account, and you sell things, money comes into your bank account. And, and every process in your, in your business, it's like a, a, a watch with small little gears that all work into one another. And what you need to do is to write down what happens in every one of those processes and then appoint the right people to do that, train them to do that. Like my son has got his own business and uh, he's about to, to appoint people. And I said to him, you know, we live in a multicultural country and what uh, we, when we describe things to, uh, or use words, we don't have the same understanding of those words. If you say to somebody, tidy up my factory, you've got the picture in your mind what that means. But what picture does he have? So now you say, tidy up the factory, and you go away for a few hours, and you come back, and okay, he swept the place and stacked everything on top of one another, and you're furious because he hasn't tidied it. But you haven't told him what's the definition of tidy. I'm sitting here and, and smiling at you because I learned very earlier on, um, you know, when you install a pension or a provident fund in those days at a company, the crucial element is that the staff whose mother tongue is not the same as yours yeah. have the ability to sit with somebody where they can understand in their own language the technical terms, they can ask questions without fear or favor, 
and they understand what's going on. If you don't spend the time to get that right, in other words, the mm. communication is down pat, yeah. then you're going to have problems forever going forward. Absolutely. And I, I just find it fascinating. fascinating. I, I took my, car, my, my son's car for a service this morning. He's overseas. And the guy comes up to me and he says to me, what he wanted to say is, have you taken all the valuables out the car? Mm. Eventually, I just assumed that I understood what he was saying yeah. because f- what was coming out of his mouth, I didn't understand. Yeah. And I just thought, Hyundai, that's poor. The yeah. guy's trying to do his job, but you clearly haven't trained him. He doesn't speak well. Yeah. So my first interaction is already a frustration. Yeah. And all you needed to do was just spend a few minutes with the guy and say to him, the people aren't being rude. They just don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. And you know, maybe speak slower. Maybe this is the way to pronounce a word. And, and then all of a sudden the problem will go away. So that's really the crux of the business is the communication. And you find that uh, that was a person-to-person interview. You find that uh, you phone a business, you, you end up speaking to a call center agent, and you, you can't understand him or her. They, they just don't articulate the words and they speak too fast. And, and it's, I think it's just training. And on the other hand, I know I'm certainly guilty of this. Sometimes I need to be a little bit patient and listen a little bit more carefully and just appreciate that the person I'm speaking to didn't grow up in Glen Hazel speaking English. And if I'll just, just be a little bit more patient and allow myself to understand, then and give the person the credit of the, the value that they understand what they're saying, then all of a sudden things work. So sometimes also we are a little bit impatient and just, you know, just flow off the handle for no reason. And the other thing is also each of us, uh, we are specialists in our field. So we develop our own speak and our abbreviations, you know. So we use words that normal people don't use. We understand one another. But when you speak to a client who doesn't have, he must, could be a very, very intelligent professor, but he won't understand you because you use words that he doesn't understand. So, I mean, I, my mother just had a big operation. So now I'm talking to a doctor over the phone. And um, I must say he's good. But then I would stop him and say, what I understand you said to me was this, that, and the other thing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I suppose that's what happens, especially yeah. in the financial services. We throw terminology around and we just expect people to understand what we're talking about. But, Kerbis, just before we go to the break, let's let's come back to the, the, the idea of growing a business. Most businesses start where you and I have an idea, we sit together, we pull our resources, whether it's money, whether it's intellectual capital, whether it's experience, and, and, and we make this thing happen. But we don't want to stand at the grindstone every day. Eventually, we want to start enjoying the benefits. At what stage do you start bringing people in? At what stage do you start handing over to people? Well, I think it will uh, happen uh, in a a natural way. You will reach a point where you just can't anymore, where where you you are slaving 25 hours a day and and you realize it can't carry on like that. Now you've got to bring in somebody. And then it takes you to a next level of complexity, obviously, because now, first of all, uh, how am I going to pay this somebody? And this somebody, what is this somebody coming to do here? You know, I've got to have a very clear picture in my mind what I'm going to give this somebody to do. I tell you what, we we need to run to the shops quickly. Let's take a quick break. But when we come back, let's talk about that tipping point between not affording and having to have and how you balance that. We'll be back yeah. in a moment. Avi on money. 
12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 22 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for listening. And those of you who want to SMS us, please SMS us on 34519. Um, as you know, Kerbis Engelbrecht is from Sunland Business Market. He's in the studio. We have spoken to him a few times before on the line. It's great to have him in the studio. And really what we're discussing is the transition of a business from a startup to a point where your business actually runs itself because you've empowered people to do that. Kerbis, I was telling you off air, I I heard a a talk by a very successful financial planner who said when he first started, he really was running around and he was very busy and he came home to his wife one night and she said, how was your day? He says, great, it was hectic and he could see the worry in his wife's eyes because there was clearly nothing in the bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said to him, well, what did you do today? He says, I did lots of stuff. He says, what stuff? And he tried to describe paper pushing yeah. and yeah. A, a menial things. And she says, does stuff make money? And he <laughs> says he stopped and he thought about it. And he was a bit insulted. And she had kicked him where it really hurt. <laughs> and after thinking about it, he says, no, stuff doesn't make money. He says, then do us a favor. Pay someone to do your stuff. And you go and make, make money. money. And he said that must be was the biggest lesson he ever learned. Yeah. From just these wife looking at it and saying, you're wasting your time. You think you're busy yeah. and you, there's a lot of steam and energy going off, but there's no ching in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's the choice we all have to make is that at what point do we incur that extra expense in, or, in order to increase efficiency? Yeah. And exactly what is that person going to do? Because uh, my son started the business when he was in matric. He's now a couple of years down the line. And he's at the point where he needs help. And and we've spoken a lot about it. And um, I I say to him, just remember, um, you are the rainmaker. So if you stop selling, there's nothing coming into this business. So please, if you appoint somebody, don't let it be a salesperson. So I said, never, daddy. Uh, This is the most important part, and, and that's what I do. I need somebody else to carry boxes around and to fill things up and 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 and, and uh, but the, the generate joke, invoices collect yeah. payments those sort of things yeah i i once had an experience uh, you know that sunlam together with business partners is uh, sponsoring the entrepreneur of the year yes. competition that's actually why i'm here because tomorrow morning we have the award ceremony uh, for the 27 uh, 2017 award winners and a couple of years ago, uh, one of the finalists, uh, he's got a security business up in northern Natal. And he told me that uh, he flies microlights, you know, this uh, yeah. umbrella with a lawnmower <laughs> engine. And so he ended up in hospital for two weeks. And when he came out of hospital, his business turnover was up while he wasn't there. So then he said, then he realized he built a good business. And uh, that's what it should be. If you're not there and the business's turnover increase, that's good. And I, I don't usually talk about my business on, online, but I, I had a similar example. I was overseas. I was actually in New York, and I I called my office, and eventually my PA turned around and said to me straight, do you trust me? So I thought, oh, God, what's happened? <laughs> so I said, yeah, I do trust you. He says, then stop calling me every five minutes. If I need okay. you, I will call you. Yeah. But we know what to do. Everybody's job is de- is designated, and yeah. we're all good at what we do. If there's an issue, we'll let you know. Why yeah. don't you just get off our case and enjoy where you are? And that is also a big turning point for me. 
I think, unfortunately, that's one of the traits of an entrepreneur to be an absolute control freak, you know. <laughs> uh, and I can understand why, because you're responsible for everything. So you need to know about everything. But you've got to trust people and, and, and uh, rather manage them. Uh, my youngest daughter works for an IT company with a head office in Stockholm in Sweden. And it was started by a computer programmer like 28 years ago. And he's still the CEO of the business. And uh, and I said to her, you know, when listening to her, because he's a hard man to work for, because he doesn't know when you relax and when you work. He just gets up in the morning and he just works, you know. And uh, and he irritates everybody and he wants to know everything. And you you get the picture. And I, I say to you, you know, what you are telling me now is this business is where it is, positive and negative because of him, because he built it up a very successful business. But if he can step back and put himself in a position of the chairman of the business and appoint a CEO, I believe his business will do even better. And, and many times it is like that. And we have seen that. We've seen Elon Musk. We've seen Steve Jobs. Yeah. Both being fired from their own businesses. Yes. Simply because it got to a point where they were a negative influence rather than a positive, positive influence. Yes. Kobus, let, let us move along. Something that I've seen a lot, and I'm sure you've come across many, many times, is that people's business starts running, and as the business starts to grow, it becomes hungrier and hungrier, and cash flow is often an issue. And the person looks and says, where can I cut? And the crucial mistake they all make is, well, I've got a business. I don't really need my life insurance. I don't need my income con mm. protection plan, et cetera, et cetera. And they go and they cut those. How major a mistake is that? That is a major mistake. Um, take, take something like medical aid. Uh, say you've now got a very successful business. You, you say you just got a hospital plan because you pay for the doctors and the physiotherapists and all those expenses. But why do you need that uh, medical plan then or the hospital plan? You need it for the day when you end up uh, in a hospital and you all of a sudden have to fork out 300,000 rand for a major heart transplant or whatever. That's why you need to have it. And you don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, and, and that's why we need those things. And, you know, it's so funny because these are the conversations I have almost on a daily basis, especially as companies are under pressure. And people get frustrated. So I'm just going to spend two minutes talking mm. about it because I think it's important that we just rehash it. A lot of people have gone into a hospital plan, which very simply means – that the only thing they're covered for is admission in hospital. Yes. The day-to-day -day stuff, and that includes everything, even a visit to the emergency room. But it includes your glasses, doctors, specialists, medicines, bandages, physios, chiropractors, um, OTs. All those things come out of your own pocket. The resentment builds. I'm paying X amount on my medical aid. I'm paying I don't know, let's say 6,000 Rand for my wife and two children, plus I'm spending another three or 4,000 Rand a month. What do I need this thing for? And what you do need it for is when you, when you can't sit there and negotiate because your life hangs in the balance. Exactly. You need a helicopter to yeah. land on the highway. You need that ambulance to take you to any hospital just that you can get life um, changing. The paramedics going through your, your, your wallet and they find that medical mm. aid card. Um, and just as another note, people, please make sure that your children 
have a medical aid card on them. Mm-hmm. Even if they're young and they're going out and they're just going out on a, on, a, on a Saturday night, in their wallet, put a medical aid card. If your daughter's going out, make sure in her bag is a medical aid card. You, you're not flirting with, with, uh, with danger there. You're just being silly by not doing it because someone needs to check what medical aid you're on. When they find that card, they've got all the information they need. So, yeah, Kovas, there you're absolutely right. Well, uh, just to follow on what you've now talked about, last Thursday I had that situation. My mother is almost 90 years old. She will be 90 next month. So we would say Kainan Hora. And, and thank you. And, and she, and she, um, uh, she lives in a flat that's part of an old age home and she fell. Well, her, she actually, when she turned, uh, she dislocated her hip. She fell. She broke her hip. So uh, they, they they then phoned me, and I could say to them, go and look in her uh, uh, handbag. There's the medical aid card, and there's everything you need. And then I phoned a little bit later. She on the way to hospital? No, because the the metro, one ambulance, because now it's in the rural area, so there aren't many of those things. So the one ambulance is on the way to Cape Town. The other ambulance is on another job, so... So, I, so they said to me, may we phone a private ambulance? I said, please do, but, uh, but it's going to cost a thousand rand. So I said, that's okay. She's got a medical aid. That's why you need the medical aid. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we all got these stories, but it's, it's just, how is your mom, by the way? Well, she's okay. I haven't seen her. She had the operation yesterday. I, I, uh, uh, the doctor said everything is okay. My, my son was there, my wife and so on. So she's doing fine. She's, she's now worried about, she's now in Cape Town in a hospital and now she's going to go to a, a, a facility where to recuperate and she's got, only got one dress. So now if she worries about that, then she's okay. <laughs> I think she's going to be just fine. Just fine. A lady is always a lady at the end of the day. Uh, um, g- just moving on, one thing that I've, I've often seen in a business is that a business will start, it does very nicely, and every single debit order is going off the business. Whether it's life insurance, car installments, short-term mm. insurance, kids' school fees, everything's going off. There's no separation yeah. from the individual, the individual's finance, and the business itself. It's just one big poiki pot. That is a mess that you've described now. And unfortunately, I've seen that. Once my, my wife is also legally qualified and, and two pharmacists came to us, a husband and wife, and they had a business, two pharmacies, cars and house and all that. And uh, the business was on, was going under and we were trying to help them to save this business. And we spent a whole day trying to pull the whole thing apart of whose car is this and on whose name is what and who's paid out of what bank account. I've never seen such a mess in my life. And that's exactly why they ended up in that situation. When you've got a business, first of all, run your business in a company so that it's got a separate legal uh, entity from you and you pay yourself a salary. And then you sort your life insurance and your kids' school fees out of your salary, not the business. That, that's so true. I mean, the the stat is, and, and unfortunately I've just seen it even more recently in a sad scenario in, in the city here, but bookkeeping and tax accounting are the two things that kill the majority of businesses. 
People just have no idea that for every one rand 14 coming in, you're only keeping one rand, and 14 yeah. cents is not yeah. yours. So don't spend it. Yeah, no. And, you know, f- that the fact that, that you've got stock and you've got a bit of cash and you've got people coming through doesn't mean your business is viable. Have you actually melted the figures down to see the fact that you've got stock doesn't give you cash flow? And how many business owners empty the till at night in their pockets and go shopping or to the bar or wherever? <laughs> so, uh, no, you, 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 you can't do that. You know, my, when I met my wife many years ago, she administered insolvent estates. And you've all heard the story of the, uh, the businessman that uh, does the bookkeeping on the back of a cigarette box. So the one day they liquidated, they appointed the liquidators in a company and they literally brought in a big box full of small cigarette boxes where stuff was written down. That was the bookkeeping system of the business. Now you understand why they went under. It's, it's just the most phenomenal thing. And I've seen it in NGOs also, you know, where chairmanship changes. Somebody comes in who's savvy who's got the bookkeeping system that yeah. works, and all of a sudden you've got a clear picture of are we on? solvent, are we not solvent? Yeah. What's our debtors, what are our creditors? You understand where you stand? I believe that you need to know, if somebody wakes you up at night, then you need to know how much cash do I really have in my bank account? In other words, for what, can I, for what am I good? You know, if I right. need to pay something now, how, how, much, how much can I go for? If you don't know that, then you're in a very dangerous position. The other thing that that often comes up with with small businesses and and running small businesses is the fact that even though there's money in their account, it hasn't been clearly allocated. Excuse me. And tax is often an issue. People ignore it, ignore it. And then when they turn around after three years because SARS is on their case and they can't work out why the bill is so big Mm -hmm. and they can't afford it, then, then it's too late. Yeah, absolutely, because where must that money now come from? Uh, you know, you, you, SARS is on your case. If you don't pay them, they're going to charge you interest and, 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 and just going to snowball. It's just a phenomenal thing how running a business is not just the flair to be able to find a good product and sell it, to have a good service and to pass it on. It's about managing the processes behind it. And, you know, one thing we were taught in school, if you're not good at maths, Work at math so that you become good at it. In business, that's the other way around. If you're not good at something, hire somebody who's better than you so that you can get it done. You don't have to worry about it. I I met a a very good uh, businessman once, uh, and and, uh, in the very early days of his business, he appointed a salesman and uh, because he said, I'm an accountant. I can't sell. And when you see the two people together, you can see why he hired the salesman because that guy's a salesman. He's good. And that's why the business is doing well. One part, the other part is the accountant was keeping all the numbers clear and, and, and sorted out. But that was clever of him to realize it in the beginning. I'll never forget, I had an auditing lecture at Varsity. And we were just chatting, uh, you know, one day before a lecture or after lecture. And he mentioned to me that his father-in-law has started the same business three times. So I looked at him and said, well, Oak's going to be a bit thick if he's done that. <laughs> yeah. And then he explained that him and a good friend started. He's the, um, he's the salesperson. His friend's the accountant. And they started the business together. And the business just never had traction. But it was a good idea. The third time, he turned around to his friend and said, I'm not starting it with you. I'm going to simply hire you as my accountant. 
Okay. I'm starting the business. Okay. All of a sudden, the business flew because there wasn't this pessimistic, you know, number crunching yeah. anal sort of idea. Yes. He was allowed to spread his wings and do what he yeah. needed to do. And that guy's job was just to remember, ma- ma- manage how things balanced. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not part of the de- decision making. He can't drag you down. Yeah. Because just before we run to the break, and we've discussed this before, there's something called, you know, income continuation or, or, or a business insurance that you can get on yourself if you're unable to work and unable to, 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 to gain an income. Uh, just to share, I've got a client who's an architect, an incredibly successful business. And he said to me, I only want a six month waiting period, nothing shorter, because he called his partner and he's got enough cash for six months. Mm. And therefore, the premium came down until he tripped and on, on the slippery step and broke an arm and couldn't work mm. for three or four months. All of a sudden, the amount of money they had in the bank was not relevant. Yeah. He just felt that he was draining the business yeah. and not contributing. Yeah. And that just goes to show how important the benefit is. For sure. Uh, uh, that is very, very important uh, to, to insure yourself against things like that. Because, uh, I mean… A number of things can happen to one another, and we don't want to be pessimistic about it, but you've got to be responsible and, and, and make sure that things like if that happens, then there's money in the bank that can sort that out. Okay, so we're going to run to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to spend the next uh, 14 minutes talking just about employees and how business owners should treat employees, how employees should be expected to be treated, and what their role and responsibility is. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 90 minutes to the hour. And in studio with me is Kurbis Engelbrecht, who's from Sunland Business Market. Kurbis, we've been talking a lot about different areas of business, but the ultimate point is that your employees are really what makes the business run. Um, I once read, and I can't remember where it was, um, a certain businessman was saying, you know, when your business is going through rough times, the first thing people do is they retrench staff and they, mm. they fire staff. He said, equate to your family. If you're going through a rough time, do you call your kids in and say, number one and number four, no. we can't afford you yeah. anymore. You're on your own. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually going to make you sandwiches for a couple of days, but you must go find yeah. You work it out together and you make yes. a plan. Yes. I think it's not always realistic. Sometimes if you keep your full staff complement, the business will suffer yeah. and might fold. But if you look after your employees and they are allowed an opportunity to give back, the business can grow. Um, and just to share the story I told you uh, briefly uh, offline, I have a wonderful lady, Tanya Jacobs, who works for me, and it's a, it's a thankless job. Um, and yesterday I walked into the office and my staff said to me, where's Tanya? And I facetiously said, well, it's Monday morning, I don't know where Tanya is. And later on in the afternoon, my office manager sent me a photo of a little baby wrapped in a hospital blanket and said, this is the baby that Tanya helped deliver together with the taxi driver this morning on the way to work. Mm. And I just publicly want to commend the taxi driver, whose name I don't know, and uh, Tanya Jacobs for saving two lives yesterday because on the side of the road, the, the, the driver called the paramedics, who then gave him sort of remote control instructions, and Tanya did the motherly thing and the, the midwifery thing, mm. and they took the mother and the baby to the hospital, and everybody's fine. And, um, you know, I, I was just so proud as an employer that this is one of my staff members yes, yes. who didn't come to work, 
but yet added such value to society yeah. in a yeah. different way. And the morning when she walked into the office, she's got a new name. It's called Sister Tanya. Nice. Because yeah. end of the day, she, she the people are so encouraged by what she did. And I just thought, I could have turned around and said, Tanya, well done, nice job, but you know, we're going to deduct a day of not being in the office. They would just kill all the benefit that it achieved. Exactly. What I think we will get out of it is we will all, you know, respect this lady even more for the value that she added yesterday. And it's great to have a part of the team. Um, and that's really what it works. But in South Africa, we have another dynamic. You, you alluded to it earlier on, and that's a communication gap that often creeps in. But there's definitely animosity in many places between employers and employees. In the next few minutes, if a person is looking at starting a business now, what would your advice be as to how to mitigate those issues before you even start? Well, first of all, you've got to have a clear picture in, the, in your mind who you're looking to appoint in this business, uh, what kind of skills you're looking for. And then you've got to take enough trouble to make sure that you hire the best candidate for what you want that person uh, to be. And then train the person properly and and make them feel valuable. You know, sometimes we go to as customers to businesses and then we hear the staff talk to amongst one another or they the staff complains to you, the customer, saying, you know, this is what they do to me here. And that's not what you want. You know, and so many times when you open the big glossy Brochures of companies, they start off by saying our staff is the most important aspect of our business, but they treat them like that, you know, not as if they're that important. That, that's just wrong, and, and you're doing yourself a disservice. So if you want to be selfish, treat your people well, then they will treat you well. Somebody once told me a story of a business owner. I don't know where it was, and I don't know what kind of business it was, but the business went on for, kept on for quite a number of years. And the, the owner of the business was a generous person, and he, he uh, when, when the staff children, uh, when they did well at school, he would pay for them to go to university, and also those sort of things, were that's not part of the salary package. And at one time, the business went through a very difficult patch, and then uh, he started selling off his caravan and his boat and his bucky and, you know, all those kind of things. And then eventually he was at the point where he called all the staff together and he said to them, He's, the business is now closing down because he, he just can't carry it anymore. So this started, it was on a Friday. It wasn't, the staff went home and they, on the Sunday morning, somebody, one of the staff members phoned him and said to him, they want to have a meeting with him, uh, but they're bringing their families with. So they had to meet in a parking garage or, or a parking place or next to a church or somewhere. And then the spokesman said that they've been talking to one another ever since Friday afternoon. And they decided that this business owner helped them when they needed help. And it's actually their families benefited from, from it. So now they're going to help him. They're going to not close the business. Nobody's going to take a salary for six months. And the end of the story was they rescued that business. Now, that's the ultimate you want. You want your staff to treat you like that. I'm, I'm almost speechless. Is that a South African example? That's a South African example. 
you know, the the classic case that pops in my mind um, is Kellogg's in America, where they were also going through a very difficult time, and they got a consultant in, and the consultant said, "You're running two shifts. Run three shifts and make the hours less." And I guess all, all you're doing is you're increasing a shift, you're increasing mm-hmm. us a mm-hmm. wage bill. Says yes, but you don't have people working twelve hours a day. Mm-hmm. With the last four hours, they resented and they're so tired yeah. that they're actually dangerous. Yeah, productivity went up, morale went up, mm-hmm. everything just got boosted. Curvis, bef- before I let you go, and you said to me a while ago, I'm not quite <laughs> sure how we're going to spend an hour, but there are a lot of small business people listening to the show. There are a lot of people maybe aren't business people, but have a lady working in their home mm-hmm. or a chap working in their garden. What are the simple things? The thing that maybe we take for granted that one can do on an ongoing basis for staff just to make them feel appreciated. Well, I, I guess it all starts with treat them with respect. So if the, your staff member, if you speak to a staff member, how do you speak to that person? I mean, you've heard people speaking to, to their staff that you cringe on the inside, you know, listening to that conversation. So treat them the way you want to be treated. It's it's as simple as that. And look at um, their life through their eyes. What does it look like there where they have a, a rest place, where they uh, change their clothes, where they sit and have their tea or coffee and eat their sandwiches? Uh, will it kill your business to put in a microwave for them or provide them with free milk for their coffee or Simple things. You, it doesn't have to be expensive, but things that show that you care. You know, I can just hear the, the corollary coming back at me. Yes, but when I do it, it gets pulfered and it gets mm. this. Those, unfortunately, are the dynamics of working in a society. We have yep. a Gini coefficient that is great. Yes. And we have a legacy and a history where there is not mutual respect across the board all the time. And maybe sometimes we just go dig a little bit deeper and just say, I will go that extra mile despite you. Yeah. And hopefully we will then find common ground. Um, I've always got nothing left to say after the example you gave because that is ultimately what it's all about. Where, where people turned around and said, we are part of this fabric of this business. Yeah. And it's not just you alone. We all work here together. I, I uh, know of a number of uh business owners who uh, either sold their businesses or, or who want to sell their businesses, but on the condition that their staff uh, will not get retrenched and that they will remain part of the business. So uh, I know for particular, it's one of my son's customers. He's, he's on the point of selling. Uh, he, he had a couple of, of stores and he's now he sold them off one by one and he's negotiating with the last one. Now he's going to retire. And that is one of the requirements. His people must be remain must remain employed because he didn't build the business just to cash in and don't worry about those people, you know. And and that's the attitude that that we should have. Kovas, it's been a fascinating hour. I don't think you thought that you would sit here, and no. we haven't covered everything here on the list. But I think we've covered important things, and I think it's appropriate for me at this time to once again to say thank you to Michelle Tates where every week the show is put together. It's, the content is phenomenal. The guests are exciting and dynamic. Um, and it just happens. I did it myself for many years. And it's just, a, it's just phenomenal to see someone taking it to the next level. 
And, um, you know, just to acknowledge that, thank you for everybody at Chayefin for pushing the buttons. I try to say it after every show, but um, sometimes we take it for granted. And Kubas, best of luck for, for the uh, Small Business Awards tomorrow. Do you, you. Do, do you have any favorites that you're punting quietly without mentioning any names? Uh, no, yeah, of course. You, you always have favorites. I mean, people connect with people. But uh, I must say my, my favorite is going to get the big prize, and then we will know tomorrow who it is. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> well, best of luck to you. I've been to that award before. Yeah. The year I was there, the guy from Neisner who makes the shutters, Oh, no, um, no, he's not from Nice, he's from Cape Town. From Cape Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And William Duke. That's right. And mm. a wonderful chap, a very humble man, a chartered yeah. accountant by profession. Yeah. Um, I interviewed him, and what came across from him was two things. Absolute passion about what he does, without a compromise on quality, and that his staff are the most important thing that he has. Well, he's a very good example of a businessman that you could almost say – went to the level of corporatizing his business so that he can spend time in, in, in strategizing and as people running the business. He actually, after the award, he got he bought another business. And then he had to do that because there was just no way that he could do everything. Fantastic. Yeah. Kovas, enjoy Joburg. Thank um, you. Enjoy the weather. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> we'll speak to you again. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. Yeah.